I'm David Wright, expert on family money cash flow solutions and founder of the Spending Planners Institute. And I'm Carolyn Mose, leading certified spending planner. I'm also a very passionate long-time advocate of the principles the Spending Planners Institute was founded on. We're so excited to be launching our new podcast, Succeed With Money. This series is for people who are looking for answers to their money problems, people who really want to experience a less stressful financial journey, and people who are looking to have more success with money. If you're like so many people we've worked with over the years, you know you should be doing better with money than you currently are, but you seem to be stuck in a rut, going nowhere, and you're really not quite sure why that is or what to do to break free from that experience. Or maybe you're someone who is already doing a great job with your finances and you want to do even better. If that sounds like you, then Succeed With Money is definitely for you. In fact, it was created specifically with you in mind. We've created a three-part podcast series to help you understand why money is so challenging to so many people and how they can take control of their day-to-day -day money. This is episode one, and we'll be looking at the underlying reasons as to why people lose control of their finances. In episode two, we're going to dig right in and share our proven eight-step formula for how people can take control of their finances. Then in episode three, we don't want you going back into money stress or repeating any of your past bad habits once you've escaped. It's all about how to stay in control of your finances and grow. And here's the most exciting news. We've saved the best till last. We've created a special bonus episode, which is a must-listen episode. It's titled, get this, Why Budgeting Sucks. And spending planning is the only unique and proven solution to everyday money challenges. You really need to listen to this one because it's breakthrough information you won't get anywhere else. That bonus episode explains in detail the principles behind spending planning and it'll help you to get really clear on why all those budgeting apps and systems that you might have tried in the past are next to useless if you really do want to take control of your money. This three-part series is just the tip of the iceberg. To get access to our entire podcast series and additional resources, go to spendingplannersinstitute.com forward slash podcast. In other episodes of our podcast series, we'll be looking at more topics relating to money and success with personal finances. We'll also be interviewing some great experts in the field of money and personal financial success. So remember, to access further podcasts, go to spendingplannersinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Of course, it's free to subscribe, so make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes by subscribing today. Hey, the fact that you're here tells us a few things about you. Firstly, you're interested in money. You have a desire to do better with money and you're looking for information on how to make that a reality. You may currently be under some financial stress and looking for answers, or you may be a finance professional interested in finding out more about what we do at the Institute. Maybe you're even considering joining the team of certified spending planners who help people put the principles we teach into practice. If any of these sound like you, welcome. You're in the right place at the right time. This is episode one of our three-part series, how to take control of your day-to-day -day finances using a unique and proven system and succeed with your money. Carol and I created this series after working with so many people over the years who were looking for answers to their money questions, tired of money stress, 
in search of a better financial journey. And they've tried everything they could think of to make that change, but still not getting the results they're looking for and maybe feeling like they're just stuck on a treadmill day after day, just going nowhere. In fact, it's quite scary when you think about the number of people we've worked with in that time who have been earning quite a good income, but they've been so frustrated by the fact that no matter how much they earn, they never seem to have any leftover for them at the end of the week, and they really didn't know why. If you can relate to that, this podcast series is for you. Or if you are one of those listeners who are really interested in a career as a certified spending planner who helps people who are experiencing financial stress, you're going to really get a lot of insight from this series. As you're listening, be aware that you may hear us describing you and some of the challenges you've experienced, maybe quite accurately. And you may also hear us talk about other areas that seem to be totally unrelated to you and your journey. Stay focused though, because life has a way of moving from one season to another, almost without notice. And, and knowing the traps and the solutions to problems and challenges you maybe can't even imagine yet will help you to avoid the pain. You know, I have a favorite saying that goes like this, you learn far more from pain than you do from pleasure. My tip for you today is to make sure it's someone else's pain that you learn from. So stay focused, especially in this first episode. Okay, so if we haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, we're so pleased you're joining us. We know your time is valuable and after all, they say that time is money and you may very well be under stress, looking for answers with limited time to invest right now. So we don't take your being here for granted. We're committed to sharing everything that we've learned over the years so that you can benefit from our experience. Learn from our pain or the pain of people we've helped rather than you having to experience it for yourself. David, I figure we should very quickly share a little of our background before we dive into this topic, because I think it's important that our listeners know who they're listening to today. Okay, that's probably a good idea. In the early 1990s, I was in my mid-30s. I had a young family and a stay-at-home wife, and I was under enormous amount of money stress. I was so frustrated from money stress. I made a decision one night, sitting up, stressing over a pile of bills, to do whatever it would take to find out what was causing my money problems. And I gradually developed a system that enabled me to overcome the difficulties that I was experiencing. And it worked so well, I just got so excited, I could not keep it to myself. So what happened? I started going into people's homes at night and on the weekends, showing them the system that I developed, and I was helping them one-on-one. -on -one. And, and then, after a couple of years of doing that, I teamed up with a software developer and we developed a software package that we called Simply Budget at the time. And that produced amazing results in people's lives. And, and I, I, we sold roughly 30,000 copies worldwide, which was pretty exciting. So as a result of that, I've been interviewed on radio and TV in Australia and the USA. I've spoken on stage in the, the, the United Kingdom, USA, New Zealand, right around Australia, running one-day events that I called Cashflow Clinics. My system has been reviewed in numerous magazines, including the Money Magazine, where I also have been asked to regularly contribute to their Ask the Expert section. I'm the author of a book called How to Dump Your Debt Without Living on Baked Beans, and I've written hundreds of articles that I refer to as money hints and tips that have reached over 50,000 readers over 15 years. And I'm currently working on my next book that I expect will be launched early next year. Keep an eye out for that one. So having identified a huge gap in the financial services industry between financial counselling 
which is for people who are absolutely stony broke, and financial planning, which is more for people who have got surplus money and that they don't know what to do with. In 2015, I created the Spending Planners Institute, which is all about training and supporting spending planners. Together, the spending planners and I, we've created a new industry called spending planning that bridges the gap between financial counselling and financial planning. We have a vision of helping families all around Australia to take back control of their finances and, and ultimately we have a bigger vision for spending planners to be right around the world. In fact, the mission of the Institute is to change the world one family at a time. So I guess that's pretty much all you need to know about me, Carolyn. Where do you fit in? Okay, so David, to go back right to the beginning, we were struggling with money way back in the 1980s. It was probably the only, only thing we really ever argued about was money. In 2004, my husband and I actually attended one of your cash flow clinics. And honestly, it was probably one of the hardest decisions my husband ever made. Because I think as a man, it was hard for him to um, think that he wasn't in control or that he couldn't provide for his family. Okay. That doesn't sound like a man at all. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I'll tell you a client story later. Yeah. Um, at the end of that day, you know what, I, I walked out of that room with my husband and I looked at him and I said, that man has just given us the keys to the financial kingdom. And I was so excited, a bit like you. I was so excited yep, by yep. what I'd learned that day. I, I literally had to tell everyone about it. I started using the software and then I started training others around me to use it. And the first people were my children at that stage. You know, they were into their teenagers. Sit down, you need this budgeting software. I'm going to teach you <laughs> well, how to. You whether know. you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I did. I started going to people's homes at night and just got so passionate about this because it was so easy to use, you know. So I spent many an evening in someone's home showing them what was just a very simple solution to their money issues. Do you know, I was constantly amazed at how people's lives were transformed when they simply took control of their money with a system that worked. Yep. Their stress would disappear, their relationships improved, and they started to be able to plan for a future. Yep, yep. So in 2015, I trained with the Institute to become a certified spending planner, most exciting day of my life. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, David, I realized that day that I was actually working in my passion. And when you're working in your passion, you're not going to work, you know, right. um, and, and I am, I'm absolutely passionate about what I do. Actually, I've got a, a mate who's, who's, whose grandma used to say, you know, boys, if you're doing something you love, you'll never be working a day in your life or something. I know. Like that. And it's so true. It's so true. In 2016, um, after 12 months as a spending planner, and I was working full time in education at this stage as well. So yeah. I was doing spending planning um, three nights a week and on the weekends. And um, at the end of that first year, I was actually named spending planner of the year, which I was really excited about. And, and very well deserved, I might add. Thank you. Um, and in 2018, I also received the Founders Award for Excellence in Service. Um, in, in November 2018, I was interviewed by Money Magazine for a feature story that they were doing on the Spending Planners Institute. And um, David, I've also written articles for several publications, both local and national. You know, my clients have achieved such amazing results from using our simple system of money management. One client in particular went from $80,000 in debt to home ownership in just two years with my guidance and support. And do you know, that's the one client 
where when I walked into that home on that first night, yeah. her husband kind of looked at me and went, well, actually, he didn't even look at me. He kind of <laughs> sat back in his chair with his arms folded and thought, oh, yeah, here we go. Um, and it, within about 10 minutes, he was sitting beside me. And at the end of that evening, he looked at his wife and he said, wow, Let me guess, this is the best decision I ever made. <laughs> well, he just said, wow, she's amazing, isn't she? And within two years, David, they had achieved home ownership and they were debt free. It was pretty exciting stuff. That, for that's awesome. Yeah. It, look, I, I know that story and, and it, it's, and it's not the only one that you have. So excellent. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to start today's podcast with, with a little story. Okay. okay. Um, we, because we want to give absolute value for the time that our people are investing with us today. Yeah. And I know this podcast is probably going to be a little bit longer than most of them because we've, we've done the introduction to who we are and what we do and why we do it. Okay. Yeah. So let's start today's podcast with a little story. Let's go. Yep. All right. You're driving along the freeway when suddenly all the cars around you break abruptly. Your car looks like it's been fired from a cannon as it shoots out in front of everyone. What caused the sudden slowdown? Ah, there it was. A roadside speed camera and everyone around you is having a panic attack thinking that maybe they're speeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this often happens. It happens to me all the time. You, yeah. you drive past a speed camera and all of the cars around you suddenly just slow down and it's like you're thinking, well, what's going on? Mm. And it's not because they're speeding, it, but it's because the drivers don't know if they're speeding or not. Yeah. And so just as a precaution, they go, oh, hit, the, hit a little panic attack with the brake pedal. Yep. Um, it, it's bizarre. And I always just get so frustrated by the fact that I've got to slow down for all of these crazy people that, that just don't know they're not even speeding. <laughs> kind of creates that whole little bit of road rage, doesn't it? Sometimes. Well, well I'm, I'm placid, so that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, here's the thing. I, I guess our listeners at this point must be wondering what the heck this has got to do with today's topic, which is, you know, about losing control of money uh, or why people lose control of money. So let me connect the dots. If you treat your finances like the drivers who are not paying attention to their speed, who are forever hitting the brake pedal when something that even looks a little bit like trouble appears on the horizon, you're more likely to find yourself heading in the wrong financial direction sooner or later. Exactly right. If people are actually in the driver's seat and paying attention to what's going on with their finances, rather than just holding the wheel, going along for the ride and hoping nothing's going to come along to catch them out, it can make a huge difference to their financial outcome in life. Yep. Hey, look... If you're not really in charge and aware of what's going on around you, everyone else is going to end up with your money and you're going to end up with debt. It's that simple. It is that simple. So today we're looking at the reasons why people lose control of their finances and as a result end up in debt. Yep, that's it. So it's, it's quite simple really. And in, in fact, what I'm about to say, you might think, well, it's, I've simplified it too much, but the absolute bottom line reason why people lose control of money and get into debt is because more money goes out than money comes in. And look, all of the people listening will be saying, well, I don't need you to tell me that. Um, but that's not what today is all about. Today is all about why that happens. And as I see it, there are three basic reasons. The first one, I, poor money skills or, or poor money education, perhaps life expectations and unexpected life events. 
So, you know, we arrive into the world with absolutely nothing. Our parents provide for us if we're lucky. And by the time we finish school, we've hopefully chosen our first career path and we're on our way. And look, from that moment on, you know, from the moment that we leave school and begin the journey of life, the ability to make good financial choices or bad financial choices is never really that far away. And you know, David, all of our schools have fancy graduation ceremonies, lots of fanfare, congratulations. Yep. But when they send us on our way, everyone just assumes that we'll magically know how to manage money and nothing could be further from the uh, truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the schools, they've totally missed the most important topic of all. You know, we were taught so little about money at school or about what to expect in a world where everyone else will be trying hard to get their hands on our hard-earned money. You know, we're up against it before we even start. And, you know, we're, we're never told about who will try to rip us off or how they will try to do that. We're not told about the different financial structures that we could use to protect ourselves. We're totally left to learn everything ourselves, and that's usually by finding out the hard way. Carolyn, um, from what you told me recently, it seems we're not even educated about the insurance policies that we might need and why. Because remember, you were, you were saying a story the other day. Do you want to share that client's story that you told me? Yeah, look, David, I had a client recently, and she was, she was renting, so, and she was moving from one property to another. And in, in the process of, so I would go and visit her in her home. We were surrounded by boxes because she was getting ready to move. Yeah, yeah. And while I was doing her spending plan, I noticed that she didn't have any contents insurance. And I said to her, um, I've just noticed that you don't have any contents insurance in your spending plan. Um, can you tell me about that? And she said, oh, what's that? <laughs> now, this was a young couple. They had two children and um and they were about to move and they had no contents choice and i said to her well okay so you imagine that um your home burns down or this home burns down tomorrow and i said as tragic as that would be everything that is in this in these boxes every if you turn this home upside down everything that falls out of this home belongs to you they are your contents yep. and if you don't have them insured can you afford to replace them Oops. And she looked at me and she said, oh, is that what contents insurance is? <laughs> right. I said, yes. And you know what? I said, it's probably one of the cheapest insurances that anyone can take out. And I'd suggest that it's something that you and your husband need to go and get organised this afternoon. <laughs> yep. yep, absolutely. Said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. But mm -hmm. see, she was uneducated. She just didn't know. Yep. And look, you'd, you'd have to think, that somewhere in our earlier education before we get to own any contents, for example, that somebody would have taught us about things like that. But I, I guess, and, and maybe, maybe we're being a little hard on the school system. It's easy to talk about how badly it let us down when it comes to financial education. But, you know, or maybe people don't know, I was a high school teacher for 20 years. And, and I can tell you, when we tried to introduce some life skill subjects into the timetable, many of the students just wagged those classes. And, and when we caught up with them and asked them why, they would say, oh, it's not for assessment. We don't need to be there. <laughs> so you know, so if, if, even when we tried, and, and look, it wasn't um, financial education. It was sort of extracurricular stuff. Yeah. But it was just like, you know, um, weren't interested. 
Yep. And, and I mean, David, you know, I, I also spent 20 years in education, but how interested were you in the subjects they were teaching at school when you were a teenager? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> Good question, Carolyn. I think I was more interested in girls and the lunchtime social interaction than what was mm -hmm. being taught in the classroom. And, and look, something I've realized since leaving school is that the times in my life when I've learned the most was when I actually needed or wanted to know something that I didn't already know. It wasn't when someone else decided that I needed to know it. Yeah. The school system failed us, but maybe we wouldn't have been interested in learning or even if they had tried to teach us more about money anyway, you know, in those teenage years. So Carolyn, did you have a different experience than me? Did your school teach you about money? Um, not really, David, and I wasn't chasing the girls or the boys. <laughs> oh, I'm <glad> to hear that. <laughs> well, I wasn't chasing the boys either much, but don't talk to my brothers about that. Um, you know, when I was at school, I did three years of commerce, and um, you would think that commerce would teach me a little bit about money, but it taught me a whole lot about profit and loss and bank statements and how to do basic accounting, but that's about it. So, so you got the same very limited education around money as well? Yeah, absolutely. You'd think that maybe a commerce course would have been more about money than it actually was, um, but it, it really wasn't. You know, I always liked money though. So um, I was always an avid saver and that comes back to, you know, from childhood. Throughout my life, I've probably used every budgeting system known to men. And honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I can say that really honestly. I started using the simple envelope system. I've used handwritten spreadsheets. I've used Excel spreadsheets. Yep. But Jenna, I never seemed to be able to get in control of my money. There was something always missing. Yep. And as I mentioned earlier, we struggled through the 1980s. It was 18.5% interest rate back then. Yep. I had to become really inventive in, in how to, because I was a stay-at-home mum at yep. the time. Yep. Well, I remember that's basically the time when I started this journey as well. So Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, I, I chose to be a stay-at-home mum, but I also became really inventive in learning how to cook mince in a thousand different ways. <laughs> we couldn't afford steak, David. It, you know, um, I worked part-time to bring a little bit of extra money to the house, mainly at night. I would go out at night after my husband would come home and look after the kids. So it was a really tough gig, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, until I found the spending planner software, I, as I said, nothing else seemed, seemed to work. Yep. And when, when my husband and I were introduced to that software, as I said earlier, you know, I realised why every other budgeting software sucked. And that's what we said earlier. They, they were useless. Yep. Spending well, planner software is so unique, David. I mean, and I know you know that I'm preaching well, converted here, but I just wanted to say to people, you know, it's, it's a software that doesn't even depend on your income or your pay cycle. So, you yeah, know. Well, here's the um, thing, you know, at, at that time, the, the time that you're describing then in your life, that was exactly the time when, when I had that similar frustration and I'm, you know, sitting up at night, my wife's gone to bed, the kids are going to bed and I, I just can't sleep because of money stress. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table looking at these piles of bills and thinking there has to be a solution. Yeah. It just has to be a solution. Yeah. So I'm, I'm you know, pleased that I, I was able to help you as well. 
Oh, look, absolutely. And it, and it was literally the turning point in our life. It really was, you yeah. know. Um, but, you know, David, I, I, one of the biggest struggles that I still have with money, and I know that a lot of our listeners will relate to this, is that, you know, I'm a giver. And I'm not sure if our listeners are aware of the five love languages, but one of the, one of the five love languages is, is giving, you know, and I give a lot. I give, I give my time, I give my energy, I give my money. And when we were struggling raising young kids and I literally, I wanted to give them the moon. I wanted to give them everything that I never had as a child. And I couldn't do that. It was like a physical ache in my body. I should share a story from one of my newsletter readers some years back that relates to what you just said. This, this lady emailed me and she was a foster carer for kids whose family situations meant that they had to be removed from their home and put somewhere safe for a while. And she, she emailed me um, about, 50, she had $50,000 credit card debt and she was asking for, you know, how, how do I solve this problem? Mm. You know how she racked up that $50,000 credit card debt? No. <laughs> she, would, she would buy suitcases and fill them full of clothes and, and all sorts of gifts for each of the kids that she had in her care when they were leaving. Mm. She had such a warm heart that her love language was causing her a lot of financial pain and she didn't know how to stop the problem from getting worse. Yeah. So, you know, of course, when we leave school, we don't really know much about who we are or we don't understand much about our love languages or a personality profile, which is, which is another thing that influences our spending habits. Yeah. But, um, there are all these manner of things that can influence and, and how we, why we get into trouble with money. Mm. Okay. So let's move on. So we've had so little money skills training at school. By the time we're in our twenties, we've, we've most likely made quite a few crazy purchases that we'll, we'll probably mm -hmm. look back on later in life and ask ourselves, what were we thinking? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I'm thinking of the mag wheels that I had to have fitted to my car when I was at college and on a, re a really small income. And, and around about that same time, I remember upgrading to a new motorbike and that went on a credit card. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the little black dress that I bought that was $300 when we could least afford it, but I really had to have it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one then. Well, you know, some, some of those were just us making poor choices, but, it, but it's also common at that age to be taken advantage of by some more experienced players. Yep. Like, you know, met, you know, the car salesman had this great deal and the great deal turned out to be a lemon. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that one. The rust bucket that had been bodged up with filler and a <laughs> quick shiny paint job. The, the paint, I, I, it wasn't six months. The paint had gone dull in no time at all. Yeah, and, and rust was starting to come out everywhere. Yeah, it it, it was the, the lemon. So mm -hmm. you know, we, look at that time in our life, we probably earned a bit, we probably got burned a bit, or, or maybe a lot, and we learned a bit. Yeah. But some of those life lessons, you know, we, we learned them the hard way, and and I guess for some life lessons, maybe you have to learn them the hard way. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said earlier. You know, we learn far more from pain than we ever do from pleasure. Absolutely agree with that statement, David. But, you know, before we get too deep into the traps that people can and do fall into, it probably is worth mentioning that some people are just naturally more money savvy than, than others. Yeah. And remember I said, you know, I didn't make 
too many dumb decisions back then yeah. when I was younger. I didn't have credit. I paid cash. For Come things. on, you're making me look really bad now. Oh, look, well, you know, <laughs> some of us, I mean, you, you think like, and people, you know, our listeners will go, they will have those teenagers who worked at the local Macca's or grocery store after hours yep. and on the weekends who still had or have most of what they've earned safely stashed away in the bank um, when they left school. Yep. And they're yep. obviously more money savvy than those who spend it all and have nothing much to show for it, you yep. know? Yep. It's like on that note, David, you know, I'll say my my son, I remember at the end of year 12, you know, everyone talking about schoolies and he wanted to go to schoolies. And then a friend of mine offered him $1,000 for the week to work, for schoolies week, to work in putting Whoa. up some stage sets, some stage <laughs> sets. And he went, oh, schoolies, $1,000, schoolies, $1,000. And he went with the thousand dollars. Life's full of tough choices, ain't it? <laughs> God bless his little heart. Love yeah, the yeah. boy. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I think most parents will tell you that their children are all so different. You know, I, I don't know what your other. I think you've got two daughters as well. Whether they did yes. the schoolies or whether they, there was a thousand dollar carrot on the table for them, but no, uh, they did schoolies. <laughs> all all your, you know, your kids are so different when it yeah. comes to their natural money skills. So you know. Mm. It's just how it is. We're all different. But you know what? I reckon that even if money is not your natural strength, you can still learn the principles and, and learn to apply them. But here's the thing. I, I reckon it's more about learning to manage your emotions than it is about learning to manage your money. Yeah, absolutely right. I'd go so far as to say, if you can't manage your emotions, then you're going to find it very difficult to manage your money successfully on your own. And, and look, that's why I train people to be spending planners. A spending planner helps people take the emotions out of their financial choices by bringing this impartial third party to the table. Mind you, that's not all that they do, but it's certainly one of the more important roles that spending planners play. They, they don't give financial advice, but they do help people to look at their money choices in a more logical rather than, than emotional way than you might have done otherwise. So findaspendingplanner.com is where people should go to find a spending planner. Funny that. Spending planners help you take the emotions out of your finances so that you can take back control. Yep. And that's it in a nutshell, David. Okay. So let's get moving. We've left school. We've made a few mistakes, we've learned a few lessons, and we're working through our 20s. Yep. We might take a while to settle down, that's pretty normal. But as we approach our 30s, we're hopefully starting to find something we're good at, we've done some study, we've developed higher level skills, and our income begins to grow. By the time you hit your early 30s, you're starting to really understand what it means to be under the pump financially. Yep. <laughs> I think, well, that's about where we both were, what we were talking about before when we mm -hmm. really hit the wall. Yep. So by your 30s, reality has definitely started to bite. And even if you haven't had anything terrible happen to you, like I'll give you an example, a partner's run off with your money and left you with two kids and a heap of debt. You know, even if that hasn't happened to you, you're still going to find it tough. And if you have been through the ringer, you're going to find it even tougher. Yeah. And look, at this stage, David, there, um, you know, you're looking at, you need a home, you need a car yeah. or maybe two. Yeah. Um, you've got children who need a bed to sleep in. They need clothes. They need toys, school books. The telephone yeah. bills come yeah. in. The electricity comes in. 
Christmas and birthdays keep coming around and they come around quicker every year. You know, you need insurance. You want to go on holidays because you want to create those family memories. Yep. And, you know, your need for money at this point in life is way ahead of what you've had time to earn in your 20s. Exactly. And, and the thing is, you know, credit or more to the point, debt says that you can have these things before you can actually pay for them. But then we're going to have to pay a penalty, which is called interest, for spending the money that we haven't earned yet. Mm-hmm. You know, mortgages, car loans, credit cards, they all arrive at, you know, in you know, early 20s, early 30s. And this can be a point where future fortunes are made or lost. Yes. And, you know, um, we could even call this the critical zone. It's, yep. it's the absolute critical zone. All the decisions you have to make that will impact your financial future. You know, do we need the bigger house or do we go for the modest one? Do, do we buy the secondhand $5,000 car or do we need the, the new $50,000 car? Um, David, you know, do you throw $2,000 at a birthday party for your kids? Yeah. And many do. I've seen it happen. Oh, it's, and, it's a- and I've been invited to them. My own grandchildren have had, have had them. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. Or do you simply, you know, ice a cake yourself, hang up a few streamers and invite the friends over for a play in the sandpit? You know, do you have the designer clothes or do you go for the cheaper brands? And don't forget these. Do you get the jet ski or the camper trailer or both? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so easy to get drawn into these keeping up with the Joneses kind of lifestyle choices on some or maybe even all of these things that you just mentioned and more. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's just way too easy to get so highly leveraged that you're just like a time bomb just waiting to go off. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It only takes one mishap. Yep. Unemployment. And the whole thing is thrown into chaos and all of a sudden you're out of control. Debt snowballs and you find you're sinking in debt like it's absolute quicksand. Carolyn, you know, I, said, I say it all the time, nobody has money problems on purpose. It happens because with all of these decisions, it's so easy for our emotions to take over from logic and the reason that people lose control of their money is because they overcommit. You know, we talked about before saying, you know, you've got to learn to control your emotions and, and yeah. you know, that's more the problem. You know, often without realising it, that's what people do. They, they, you're absolutely right. They unexpectedly or un, unwittingly, I guess, get themselves into this situation and then life changes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you lose a job, a child gets sick, an unexpected pregnancy or even a planned pregnancy, you know, even yeah. with maternity leave now. Um, you know, you can, that can still cause interruptions to the income. I know my wife had really bad morning sickness, basically from the moment she fell pregnant. So, you know, you, you can find yourself off work um, long before you thought that was going to happen. Yep. And suddenly, you know, it's, that's the tipping point and you get the situation where you're just totally out of control. And, and then, you know, like there can be global financial crises. You know, we had one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that long back, and the whole world plunges into financial chaos. Property values drop. Suddenly, your house of cards can come crumbling down around your ears, 
And it can take a long time to dig yourself out of the hole when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And look, David, you know, I've, I've got clients who are perfect, perfect examples of that. You know, people who've bought investment properties um, in mining boom towns, you know, yep. thinking they were making a really good decision. They were going to make a fortune on this, yeah. you know, mining boom, only to find that, you know, the mining boom became the mining bus. <laughs> and, <laughs> and suddenly, you know, their, their $400,000 house was worth 200000 and yep. they can't sell it because no one wants to live there because there's nothing, there's no reason to live there. So they can't sell, they can't hold on. Yeah, they're, they're between the proverbial rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about it, there are a lot of firsts happening around this time of life, you know, in your early 30s, 20s, early 30s. Um, and firsts are dangerous because we have little or no experience. You know, there's that saying, a trap for young players, which I've probably yeah. comes from this. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And that's why we have more of those life lessons. Yeah, yeah. And we do have lots of firsts. You know, we have we have the first house, we have the first child, we have uh, the, the, the first wife. Have you noticed what I say when I introduce my wife to people, Carolyn? I say, <laughs> I'd like you to meet my first wife. You know, it just keeps her on her toes. <laughs> David, you're so full of it. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that was a little bit of a white lie. But, you know, <laughs> so, many, so, so many people get divorced these days. And, and you know, we have a favourite saying at the Institute. I know, I know. It's called, when debt comes in the door, love goes out the window. Exactly. But, you know, it doesn't need to be that way. Not if you have a spending plan. You know, I have a really hot tip for anyone who has been divorced I'm, I'm not 100% sure. This may only apply to people with a self-managed super fund. Check your, your documentation. I've heard of this happening a lot, actually. Someone dies and their second wife or second husband finds out that their deceased partner's superannuation has this binding death nomination that was never changed and the money goes to the ex, not to the mm -hmm. person they were you know, living with. Yeah. And it's very true. And it's something you don't think about when you're in the pains of separation and divorce. And I know that for a fact, David, because we've been through it as a family. Yep. So if any of our listeners have been divorced in the past, they should absolutely check their super fund documentation and make sure that that bonding benefit is going to the right person. Yeah, yep. You can imagine how bad it feels finding out that the, the person that's the arch enemy is getting all. <laughs> oh all, yeah, all absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there are so many things that we don't know about at that age. And, and that's just one example. And unless we make learning about money a priority, we're going to lose control of it. And as you know, that's our topic for today. Why do people lose control of money? And, and look, I think it's pretty clear. We have to learn all our financial lessons from scratch. We don't get any formal education about money. And that means we're starting out on the back foot with limited financial knowledge and limited money skills. And, and then we have to overcome our emotions as we navigate through all the demands that life throws at us, that, you know, if we want to stay in control. And unless we can develop a level of, of emotional maturity, it's all too easy to get caught up in the cycle of seeing the bright, shiny object and deciding we really need to have them, which, which then leads to excessive debt and from there, it only takes one mishap, like a period of unemployment, a divorce, failed business, something like that, and suddenly we're over the edge. If you don't leave a safety margin for when things go wrong, 
you soon learn the hard way that you definitely should have left the safety margin. You know, smarter people always have a plan that they are following and they are happy to not push the boundaries so far and they put money into reserve for when things go wrong. And I think it's always wise to remember, if you can't be happy without money, you're not going to be happy with money. If, if you're really focused on money, having more money will just leave you focused on more, more money. Yep. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, if you're happy with what you've got, then having more will not mess up your head. You'll, you'll be happy with more. Okay. Yep. So I think a lot of people think that if they had more money, they would be happier, but they're asking the wrong question. Money does not and will never make you happy. The question they should really be asking is what would make me satisfied? How much is actually enough? Yeah. Very well put Carolyn. So, so let's bring this to a conclusion. Of course, life goes beyond your thirties. So, you know, there are opportunities to put things right. And whether you're way down the track from 30 or not even there yet, and you've got that knot in your stomach from being out of control and under money stress, don't waste any time getting to episode two because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got the answers that you're looking for. It's, it's never too late, I think, is, is the important message that I want to get across here. It's never too late. The next podcast in this series is all about how to take back control. Carolyn and I, we, we've developed an eight-step process to help you do that as quickly as possible. So in this episode, episode one, we talked about the three basic reasons for losing control and getting into debt. You know, the, the whole life journey, basically we come in with nothing and we need, need stuff. And as we get into our 30s, life gets really tough because all of those things start to happen in, in a quick space of time. You know, and often that can set up the whole tone for the rest of your life journey. And, you know, it can be really hard. So, you know, we, we started out with, Carolyn, you were telling us a little story about drivers not being aware of how fast they were going. So they were stressing out whenever they saw something that looked like it might be a problem. And, and, and we likened that to people not paying attention to their finances. We identified three basic reasons why people lose control of their finances, poor money skills, not paying attention, life expectations and emotions, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and pushing the boundaries way too far. And then unexpected life events, loss of income, illness, unemployment, changes in the economy. If we were to keep the motorist at the speed camera analogy going, getting in the driver's seat, taking control, and overcoming the three reasons I've just listed allows you to move into cruise control. Yeah, you don't need to check your speed anymore when you're in cruise control. And it's so much easier to get things right. It, it's a really great place to be. You definitely want to be in cruise control mode with your finances. So I'll finish off by just saying this. When I was starting out in the mid-1990s as a 30-something-year-old with a passion to teach others how to shift into cruise control with their finances, I had no idea where that was going to lead me. But I wasn't focused on anything more than the excitement and the thrill that I got from helping families take control of their day-to-day -day finances. And the more families I helped, the more of a thrill I got. If someone had told me back then that I would be an international speaker, that I would be interviewed on radio and television, both in Australia and the USA, with over 30,000 customers, and that I would create the Spending Planners Institute as the governing body of a new industry called spending planning, with spending planners all around the country, 
I would have told them they were nuts. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have believed them. It just goes to show you what can happen when you get passionate and take consistent action. Yep, absolutely. And do you know, for any of our listeners listening today, if you're under debt stress right now and you've decided that it's time to do something about it, as long as you get passionate and focus on just taking one step at a time and you keep going, even when you feel like giving up, who knows what you can achieve? Exactly. And do you know, in our next podcast series, in the eight steps, the first step in that is don't procrastinate. Okay? Yep. So take the one step. I seriously recommend you go to findaspendingplanner.com and choose a spending planner to help you on that journey. Yes, there will be a cost involved, but the cost will be insignificant in comparison with the benefit you're going to receive and the skills that you will learn in a relatively short time frame. Those skills are going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Now, that's a really good investment. Okay, hurry on over to podcast two, how to take control of your finances. That's our eight-step process. And to get access to more of our podcasts, go to spendingplannersinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here you'll also find additional resources to help you take control of your day-to-day -day finances and have success with your money. That's all from me for now. Thanks, Carolyn, for being part of this episode today. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure spending time with you and with our listeners. I'm really looking forward to sharing more in episode two as well. So I'll see you over there. Bye for now. Bye.